Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. I see you're, uh, you're sporting a new look. Yes, today I am wearing a mustache. You certainly are. <laughs> it's hard to pull that off, but I got to say, I think you're making it work, buddy. That's good, because even if I wasn't, I would still be wearing it. <laughs> you know, it goes good. It's an out there thing. It says, look at me. And I did already do a bunch of stuff that would make people take notice of me. Like I'm obnoxiously loud. I smoke a pipe. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm gangly and I walk like a cartoon character. So man, I'm just trying to enjoy life. It's fun. It's a blast. I can uh, wax the ends like Snidely Whiplash. Yeah, I was just going to say you kind of have that cartoon villain thing going on, but it, it's cool, man. It's I like it. I would do it if I could. Mustache is not my strength. As you know, I normally have a beard. And, yeah, uh, yeah, you've changed too. I know. I I changed it up. I shaved my winter beard in anticipation for warmer weather, and it's it's a little bit to get used to. It's kind of like yeah. saying goodbye to an old friend, but I know he'll be back in the winter. <laughs> it's like Frosty. Yeah, it's like Frosty. <laughs> <laughs> Frosty the snowman. Don't worry, kids. His beard will be back again on Christmas Day. <laughs> Caleb, I don't remember the last time I've seen your cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Oh, yeah. Couldn't, you couldn't script that. <laughs> <laughs> you could, but you should you should not include it if you did. Right. Oh boy. That's so uh I don't know other than facial hair changes what's going on in your world. Oh, I don't know. There's there's quite a bit going on. I've been enjoying it's spring. I don't want to talk about the weather all the time. Yeah. It's a pet peeve of mine. Small talk <laughs> is worthless. But this has a point. Uh I have been smoking my pipe a lot more. I know I mentioned that earlier, and mm-hmm. it has just. Hey, been everybody! Adult. Jason smokes a pipe. <laughs> yes, with a with a uh, waxed mustache. Now I will be smoking a pipe. It's been a delight. I've really found a lot of relaxation in that. A lot of de-stressing in yeah. smoking my pipe. It's really been a nice thing to do. Yeah, I so I smoke a pipe too, and uh, I'm right there with you. Although you look more serious smoking a pipe with that handlebar mustache going on, Mr. Raleigh Fingers. <laughs> yes. But yes. This, this uh, yeah, not to get into the weather, right? Because, uh, yeah, we probably do that too much anyway. But in Ohio, that's what we talk about. We talk about weather all the time. Yeah. But it does kind of change my appetite for pipe tobacco. Like my, my tastes really change a lot. Whenever it gets to be nice and, you know, sunny and kind of, you know, like lawn mowing weather, which I feel oh, like yeah. we're getting close to. Yeah, I, I start to switch over, and so now I'm I'm in a groove here with smoking like Virginia Periques and stuff like that. It's like that hayy, grassy kind of taste. Not everything smells like a Jolly Rancher when it comes to pipe tobacco, right? <laughs> That's right. That fits in with a lot of other things. Like you know, the weather changes and your tastes start to change. I mean, you're not eating as many hot foods until you barbecue really a- comes around. Oh well, you do barbecue, but that's not the same as having like a chowder or a. You're not like yeah. You don't want lobster bisque when it's getting hot. Right. Right. Getting swampy. And I don't know. But lots of your tastes change. You change pipe tobaccos. You stop wearing sweaters and you start wearing bro tanks. Right. Obviously. Normally, I really I mean, I love the spring, but I I don't like moving out of sweater mode because sweaters hide my frumpiness so much. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm I'm excited about warm weather shirts this year. I lost some weight. You know, who knows how long that'll be around. (laughs) I, I have a history of relapsing. So 
I'm looking forward to not being ashamed to wear a t-shirt in public for a little while. Yeah, you've got goals for t-shirts. Just, <laughs> just don't want your nipples to show through your shirt. <laughs> that's all I'm asking for, right? Hey, no, that's good. I think uh, if you do a good job through the winter, that's the hard part. Over, yeah, it I is. always want to overeat in the winter. It's baked goods. It's you got the holidays. You've got pies and smoked meats and it's delectable times also you're covering up with layer after layer of clothes nobody can really tell if you're packing yeah. on with you and i'm really proud of you man you you did a great job of slimming down through the hardest times to lose weight it seems like it really was and you know the other thing is um, when it comes to like uh mixed drinks uh or you know spirits of choice i always go for the the darker heavier stuff in the winter like yeah. you know darker beers more like stouts yeah, and uh, that kind of stuff, porters and things of that nature, and then brandy and um, mm-hmm. bourbon and stuff like that. And although bourbon's good anytime, um, I <laughs> it really, really like is. it's great in the summer. But you know, you got to be careful if you lost weight in the summer or in the winter, and you're like, oh yeah, I made it to summer, so we're good, dude. When rib season comes around, <laughs> that's going to be tough. Because you know me, I like nothing more than sitting outside smoking something on the Weber grill. So that's that's what's next. That's the next. That is hurdle. dangerous because once you realize, like, you become an adult and you have all this responsibility on you, and then you start leveling up and gaining new skills. And if one of those skills is barbecue, it's mm-hmm. going to be hard to stay thin, man. If you're good at it, what's that adage? Is never trust a skinny cook. <laughs> yeah. Well. If you can if you can have delicious smoked meats whenever you want. I mean as long mm-hmm. as you've got 8 hours of of time to commit to it. But if you, can, if you can do that every Saturday and you know just have 10,000 calories that Saturday, it's going to be hard to keep that weight that weight off in the summer. Well, you and I have put a lot of work into being better at uh smoking delectable meats and things like that uh and, and we're getting better at barbecue and and smoking pipes and all that good stuff, but Really, I think when it comes down to it, at some point when the metabolism slows down even more than it has and all that, if you get really good at barbecue, I feel like you just kind of you kind of got to own it and be, you know, the big barbecue guy. There's got to be some calories burned when you're standing there next to the grill, though, right? Yeah, it's hot. You sweat. You're usually usually drinking a couple of light brewskis, though, too. So, yeah, light, light beer like water. Just to keep you hydrated, right? Yeah. So I so we talked a little bit about weather, but not just weather, really. Like <laughs> what we want to do when the weather, you know, gets a little bit nicer. Yeah. Um, so kind of uh, along with uh, warm weather, we're we're drinking a warm weather drink today, aren't we? Yes, we are, Caleb. Today, it's the daiquiri. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Collegey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it would seem collegey, but this is not that. Uh, that sugar bomb blended strawberry swill you're used to seeing the sorority sisters order mm. uh, beachside when you're spring break. I don't know. I never did that. I've, yeah, me neither. We we were just saying earlier. What'd you do on Friday nights in school? I watched <laughs> I watched TGIF with my mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, I, I always wanted to see what Sean and Corey were going to get into. You <laughs> yeah, know? What, what hijinks and what lesson will they learn? <laughs> oh, right. Mr. Feeney. Feeney! Feeney, Mr. Feeney. <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, that yeah. show holds up, man. My kids like that show. Oh, it's great. It's great. So yeah, while the daiquiri might seem that way, it's actually a pretty classy cocktail. It's pretty simple uh, when you get ba- back down to the roots. And it has not that much to do with college, I guess. It, it's not super college but it, it kind of does go well with our finance topic today. 
Oh yeah. How to go about paying for college. Yeah, it may be only our third episode, but let's give it the old college try. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was I'm glad that we scripted that. Yeah, oh that was good. <laughs> I delivered uh, it flawlessly as well. What's your favorite college movie? I just want to know. There, there's a lot of good college movies. We talked about this the other day, and, and we were kind of throwing some titles around. What, what's your favorite college movie? It's really hard for me to decide. Having not gone to college right away after high school and missing that college experience to pursue the dream of being a rock star, I have yeah, different I memories. Dream. But I don't have I don't have the college dreams or the or the memories. And so I, maybe that's why I don't really relate to the college movies as well. But like, there's classic Animal House. Is yeah. got to be up there for almost everyone. It's real super quotable, even if you've only seen it once or twice. Even if you've only seen people quoting it, uh, <laughs> uh, that's got to be up there. Um, old school. Now that I'm, oh I, yeah, having having gone back to school as an older gentleman, that's a lot more relatable now than when the, it came out. That one hits home, huh? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you, man? It's funny that you say uh, Animal House. That, that that might be like the original college movie. But yeah, old school. Uh, I was thinking like Orange County. That's a really funny uh, yeah, one. Yeah, son of that, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Tom Hanks, who is hilarious. He is. And uh, that was Jack Black at like peak Jack Black. Oh, yeah. That was like that was, Tenacious D Jack Black breaking yeah. into acting. That's, oh, that <laughs> was, it was good. I, every, every time I bring this up every time somebody talks about that movie but with him like running into the pool in his underwear like he jumps in <laughs> to save his brother like yeah right uh because yeah, colin yeah. hanks like jumps in because he doesn't get into school right or right something. yeah he tries to drown himself yeah I and think. jack black jumps in to save his little brother and he's like the loser older brother and he's just <laughs> in his in his tidy whities <laughs> and he just like scampers into the pool oh it's classic jack black that's him at his at his peak that, yeah right. when i when, that's how i want to remember jack black <laughs> <laughs> then he got rich oh. yeah <laughs> well, uh, we actually, we named this episode after one of my favorites, uh, Stealing Harvard. Do you remember that one? Uh, uh, yes, I do. Uh, vaguely. I yeah. know as well as you. Jason Lee and Tom Green. Uh, basically, a, a newly engaged Jason Lee. Um, he promises his fiance the house of her dreams, but totally forgets about a rash promise that he made uh, to his niece when she was little. So she comes home from school and she failed a test and she's feeling miserable and says, I'll never get into college. And he says, that's not true. If you work hard, you can accomplish your dreams. And he said, I believe it so much that if you get into college, when you get into college, I will pay for it. Yeah. And then she gets into Harvard. And the rest of the movie is basically about him and his buddy Duff, who's played by Tom Green, hatching crazy schemes to steal enough money to pay for uh, for both the house and college. So a lesson in how not to pay for college. <laughs> yeah, maybe not stealing or cheating. Uh, maybe don't rely on that. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be one of our strategies that we go over. So we we uh, have concluded that, okay, the daiquiri is not necessarily a college drink. No, uh, but isn't it, isn't it a girly drink? Let's be honest. We're manly <sighs> men. I have a mustache now. Yeah, yeah. How, <laughs> would you be caught... Wearing that mustache out about town and drinking daiquiris? Mm, I don't know. I'll tell you what, maybe maybe listen to this first and tell me what you think. Because I hear daiquiri and I think girly drink, college girl drink. Uh, According to uh, the distilledman.com, there's some pretty interesting stuff out there, actually. I don't know if he's still doing anything, but 
Um, he writes about the daiquiri uh, and says, I have to admit, I pity the daiquiri. Never has a cocktail been so misunderstood. Most likely when you hear the word daiquiri, you picture some fluorescent pink concoction <laughs> churning around in a machine, and most guys wouldn't be caught dead ordering it at a bar. Uh, yes, I'd like the strawberry daiquiri. The sweeter, the better. And if you could put one of those pretty little umbrellas in it. The truth is, the original classic daiquiri is worlds away from that awful 7-Eleven slushy you might be used to. In fact, the classic daiquiri is anything but a girly drink. It may surprise you that the daiquiri is actually one of the oldest cocktails dating back to the 1900s when it was said to have been invented by an American mining engineer in Cuba. The daiquiri stands alongside other classic cocktails like the Martini or the Manhattan, and the way that it allows the quality of the liquor to really shine through, it's practically a study in minimalism. Basic components being rum, sugar, lime juice, and ice. That's the yeah. Distilled Man. It's simple. Thank you, thedistilledman.com. Yeah, I was dreading doing an episode on the daiquiri, but we did it because it's one of Dave Embry's... Dave, Dave, we're buddies Wait, now. We call him Dave now. <laughs> we're, we're tight with Dave. I did that with David Bowie once, uh, talking to my wife, and she would oh. never, she never let me live it down. I'm like... She's like, who are some of your favorite artists? Oh, Dave Bowie. Oh, Dave. You guys are on. Oh, yeah. You guys are. You have a nickname. Oh, I see. Anyway, <laughs> Dave. He feels Dave. like a close friend after uh, after three episodes. <laughs> David Embry's. It's one of his six essential cocktails, and the, and the way that he writes about it doesn't make it seem like a girly drink at all. It's classy. It's a it's a basic and simple cocktail to make with three ingredients. So I don't know. That's that's a really good one. Oh. One aside. Aside. I am I'm detecting a theme with some cocktails. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of cocktails were invented to eliminate scurvy. Ah, well, Jason, you know that that's why I drink them. You know what I always say. A cocktail a day keeps the scurvy away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's. I don't hear much about scurvy these days. Is it because we drink so much lime and citrus uh, juice in our cocktails? Or you know, is there I'm a not, vaccine? <laughs> Not sure what happened with Scurvy, uh, our old friend Scurvy. We don't hear much about him anymore. So we know that a real daiquiri doesn't necessarily equal a frozen strawberry slushie, but what does it include, Jason? Well, I'd be happy to tell you, Caleb. According to David Embry, this is his recipe for it. And also, side note, David Embry sounds like a cool dude because he gives all of these uh, recipes and these guides for making cocktails and talks about the six essential cocktails. But if you're reading his book, he thinks it's ridiculous to follow one recipe. Your taste Mm. is the final arbiter of what you should be drinking. So I thought that was cool. But here's his his starting start here. He he is very opinionated, though. Oh, highly, highly. He is so much smarter and more (laughs) opinionated than us. But uh, I thought that was cool that he throws that in there. Let people enjoy things. And that should be our motto. But his recipe to start out with, if you just want to make a classy, classic daiquiri, it's this eight parts Cuban rum two parts lime juice, one part simple syrup, shake with finely crushed ice, and strain into a chilled cocktail glass. And that's it. You got it. Mm, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I have to say that this is actually pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like a college girl at all. Um, no, that's but what I we're do... sipping on right now, and it's pretty it good. It is, yeah. I, in fact, I well... I guess a college girl could be sipping on a beach, but I feel like I'm on vacation at the beach. I feel like the the daiquiri was invented on the beach. Where did it come from, Jason? That's funny that you say that. Obviously, it's a very tropical tasting drink. So I'm going to dive into Mm -hmm. a little bit of history on the daiquiri, at least as far as we could gather. First of all, I want to talk about spelling. 
Because I, if, if you didn't know this, <laughs> I won the spelling bee in seventh grade. Yeah. And if I would have gotten the word daiquiri, I would have gotten out uh, on it. It is yeah. spelled thus. D-A-I-Q-U-I-R-I. Daiquiri. <laughs> I was totally spelling this wrong. I, I got to admit, and I pride myself on spelling. I was going D-A-C-Q-I... Oh, Q-U-I-R-I-I something. You know, if you're typing it into uh, Google, it'll get you there. I mean, it knows what you're looking for. There's not a lot of words spelled similarly to that. But yeah, D-A-I-Q-U-I-R-I, Daiquiri. So it's it's actually the name of a city in Cuba. Oh, okay. So most people agree that Jennings, Stockton, Cox had something to do with the invention of the the Daiquiri. Is that three last names? Uh, Yes, that man has three last names. So you know he's a classy fellow. So that should be enough to prop up the daiquiri in our minds yes uh who invented your drink like i don't know we got all sorts of trashy drinks out there it's, it's like cletus well who invented this who invented the daiquiri oh that was invented by jennings stockton cox wow so it's around 1900 so this is after the spanish-american war was happening that took place oh. uh, all over the place and in cuba so cool history going that was in a there. rough one back when the u.s was was buddies with cuba against the Spanish. We're in a different time there. There were iron mines in or near Daiquiri, Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Spanish-American Iron Company, uh, Jennings Stockton Cox, worked for them. Uh, rumor has it that he gave a Bacardi ration to the workers there uh, because mm. Bacardi is a Cuban thing. It is possibly the best Cuban thing, depending on who you're talking to. So that's one idea, that these Bacardi rations kind of morphed based on the local ingredients into the Daiquiri. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jennings Stockton Cox uh, actually recorded the recipe in his logbook. So here's his recipe. It's the juice of six lemons, six teaspoons of sugar, six Bacardi cups of carta blanca, two small cups mineral water, crushed ice, shake well. I think that makes a lot of a lot of daiquiris. And wow. so his granddaughter is actually cited as saying daiquiris were invented when uh, Jennings Stockton Cox was um, uh, entertaining American visitors and ran out of gin. So... Uh. He, he invented the, yeah right oh i don't have any of the best drink the gin first <laughs> so yeah so that could be where the daiquiri has come from i think the biggest thing i took away from this and this is gonna gonna expose me a little is is that it's the name of a city i had no idea that daiquiri well, that was a small town why it's spelled wrong <laughs> it should be spelled the way we thought it should be spelled ah uh, yes are we wrong no it is the cubans who are wrong <laughs> Well, cool. I enjoyed that little tidbit. It's interesting because it seems like so far, a lot of drinks come from miners. Oh, yeah. We got the martini invented by some gold miners. We got the daiquiri by some iron miners. How about that? You know, you say that these cocktails are made to to fight off scurvy, but maybe the black lung, too, and the mines, right? (laughs) (laughs) The black lung pop. (laughs) Well, cool. Uh, so some variations on the daiquiri uh, that we accept. Obviously, the Embry recipe, uh, the one that we're drinking right now, uh, calls for white rum. But we substituted that with a really nice dark rum uh, the other day, and I like that one a lot. Oh, yes. Um, then there's the Hemingway, named after Ernest Hemingway. I think he knew a little bit about booze. Yes, he uh, is an original booze brother. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, which calls for maraschino li- liqueur. Um, I don't know if I said that li- right. Liqueur. Li- liqueur. Not um, liqueur. Sorry. I don't know. Well, I, I don't, don't even know. know what that is. I've n- I don't think I've ever had it. Um, and then liqueur. grapefruit juice instead of lime. Yeah. I, so t- there's one strike for me. Um, 
But anyway, the Hemingway actually seems to have taken over um, as the favorite, uh, has taken the mantle from that 90s monstrosity uh, (laughs) that is the strawberry slush daiquiri um, as the most popular variation. Yeah, the Hemingway's pulled ahead. Although it's disputed that he ever even drank one of these. It's said that he preferred the daiquiri uh, and and his was a, and this is a a quote by a, a guy that worked at the bar that he frequented. What he preferred was a horrid concoction that basically uh, was just a way to get the most booze into his system as quickly as he possibly could. <laughs> that that sounds very Hemingway. But Ern- Ernest Hemingway was in his bar frequently, so they had to capitalize on that. And so they took some liberty with the recipe. But yeah. I can't blame him for that. That's all right. Yeah, Ernest, Ernest Hemingway should know about drinking, I guess. Yeah. But I'm maybe not the most enjoyable drinking experience if you're just drinking to get lit up. Yeah. Follow Ernest Hemingway. Otherwise, maybe let's try to enjoy this and sip on it slowly. <laughs> I'm for the Embry way. Enjoy yourselves. I like that. But, you know, the same fact keeps coming through. Every cocktail that we try different iterations of is the better all of the ingredients are, the better the cocktail. Oh, is. yeah. So with this, that dark rum that we had, that was really nice. It was nice. Yeah, it was a z- Zacapa, I think. Z- um, z- z- started with a Z. Chapa. It was Not a cheap bottle. Really, I'm not a big rum guy, but it was delicious. Yeah, that made a big difference. Even though it was a dark rum, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that quite a bit more than just the regular Bacardi one. And I enjoyed the Bacardi one quite a bit. Yeah. So so while, while, Caleb, uh, this drink might conjure up memories of the college life, I'm sure that parents don't appreciate the thought of paying tens and possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars for four years of daiquiri consumption. Oh, yeah. And toga parties. Toga, toga, toga. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, enough of this nonsense, Jason. Let's get out our trusty TI-86 calculator and our fancy spreadsheet (laughs) and figure out just how in the world we should go about paying for college. Actually, Caleb, I'm partial to the Texas Instruments BA2 financial calculator, which helped me to pass the CFP exam. Nerds! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for real. Yes. (laughs) So anyway, I'm going to start this off with a disclaimer. Do as I say, not as I do, because I admittedly have not done a great job for my kids to this point. Oh, I have. Wow. Really? Awesome. What what have you done? (laughs) I've spent time educating my kids. I've spent time teaching them the value of a dollar. I put zero dollars away for my kids' education. Well, okay, folks, there you have it. (laughs) Why is that the right thing? Well, the right thing or the wrong thing is subjective. Um, That's that was me leaning right into my my personal feelings about. Yeah, you leaned you leaned hard. Yeah, I went I went scorched earth all all in on not saving for my kids' college, and really. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for this, and uh, I got some bullet points here. I want to make sure we get them all. Mm-hmm. The first one really is uh, your my retirement funds, my retirement savings is a much higher priority than paying okay. for my kids' college. Um, I know, uh, anecdotally speaking, I've run into a lot of clients, a lot of people that want they love their kids and i love mine too like we love our children and we want to take care of them and we want to give them everything we never had we want to we want to make life better for them so i've run into folks that do anything possible to get their kids a good college education it's they, very noble they want to help cash flow things they're paying mm-hmm. for books they're they're 
co-signing student loans. They're doing all that stuff. And it's out of a really good place. Usually it's, it's, it's not, nobody ever does it being like, ha I'm going to get into debt. I don't know. It's, it's. Wow. You, you really got into the uh, Snidely <laughs> whiplash there. <laughs> it's the mustache folks. Um, well, so you say they coming from a really good place. And I, I think that a lot of it, I don't know about you. When I talk to folks, I think a lot of it is the fact that a lot of these people have, you know, if, if we look at like Dave Ramsey's baby steps and things like that, right, that's that's a really popular way of going yeah. through paying off debt and planning for retirement and college savings and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You know, to get to the point where you go, OK, it's time to save for kids college. They've worked through all the debt and all the the really gritty, tough stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of folks are saying, well, I, I don't want my kids to have to go through that. Right. I don't want my kids to have, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt. Um, so is that not is that not a smart thing to do or is that not a good thing to do? I, it's a great thing to do if you're there. And Dave's Baby Steps have saving for your kids college placed after saving for retirement for a reason. That's Baby Step 4 uh, is saving 15% of your income for retirement. Baby Step 5 is saving for your kids college. Actually, wait, is Baby Step 5 paying the house off? Uh-oh, I'm going to lose No, my- no. I'm gonna I don't them. think so. No, I think that's five is kids college and a down payment or five A, five B. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm going to lose my Dave Ramsey Look, uh, fanatic card. But either way, it's we after. all like Dave. OK, Love let's disclaimer. Dave. Well, I, I really like Dave. he is the he is the great Pumbaa of what we are trying to do. There we go again. Just referring to someone as Dave. Well, I feel like that one's OK. I mean, <laughs> Dave Ramsey's awesome and all that, but he's no Dave Bowie or Dave, Dave Embry. Rapper. <laughs> Maybe he's the Dave Bowie of of finance. Finance, yeah. I mean, yeah. High not I wouldn't go high finance. You're the Dave Bowie of high finance. Oh. That's high praise. <laughs> that was my Dave Bowie impression. Hey, that, was, that was pretty good. <laughs> was it smooth? Stop it. Yeah. Oh, nope. <laughs> Moving on. Oh boy, let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So paying for your retirement or paying, planning for your retirement is a higher priority than paying for your kid's college for a lot of reasons. For one is you want to not burden your kids by paying for their college, right? Well, what happens when you get old and you have no money? Yeah. You're saying you don't want to burden yourself either, right? No, you'll become a burden to your kids, which, which running through goals for financial planning with folks usually winds up at the top three for folks when I give it as an option. Like most times people are like, have as much money as possible, be able to pay for my healthcare and be able to travel. And and then I'm like, okay, cool. Here's a list of common ones. And whenever I throw Mm -hmm. out there, don't be a burden to my family. People are like, oh, that I don't, I don't want to be a burden to my family. I want, I want them to flourish, not have to worry about me at all. And so I think that's, that's a good reason for paying for your own retirement and that's just one reason for not not saving anything for kids college if it if it means that well, you can't save for retirement you bring up a really good point to not be a burden on your family down the road and that, that's not something you think of initially when you're talking about you know how much should I save for my kids school well yeah you got to take care of yourself first you don't want to be a burden down the road when I look, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to just, I don't want to speak for you here, but most of our clients, I think when we look at their folks, I think we do a good job, right? But in a lot of cases, when we're dealing with someone who's close to retirement, the hard work has been done and it's our job to not screw it up and set them up, uh, you know, for income and retirement, all those kind of things. The biggest roadblock usually is, hey, this plan works as long as you don't end up, you know, needing long-term care or something like that, which that's for another episode. We could go on and on and on about long-term care. 
But wouldn't you agree that that's really, for most folks that we run into, that's like the make or break for retirement. And what you're saying is by overfunding college savings plan and underfunding your retirement, you could be putting yourself in that position. Oh, yeah. Among other risk variables that could pop up, long-term care surely is one. But Mm -hmm. just replacing your income, the freedom to stop working so that you can spend more time with your college-age kids or high school-age kids, which, which... Research has shown is a far more impactful indicator of success later in life than whether or not you paid for stuff. So yeah. I, there's a lot of things to think about when you're doing that. So I just don't want I don't want paying for your kid's college to become an idol that like this is financial success to me yeah. is paying for my kid's college. And I get that it's a really good goal. But if it is, it needs to be subservient to a couple others or, or at least further down the line is what I'm saying. I'm not against paying for your kids. Co- well, I am for me. Like I, <laughs> I know we'll get to that. I am totally against. I'm not going to save a dime for my kids college, at least of okay. where I'm staying right now. But if people want to do that and my clients that I help want to do that, it's a great goal. Leaving a legacy to your kids. That's a great way to start it off. So I think that's a wonderful way to steward your money. And, and you know what, Jason, as I as I often do in these conversations, I go to the kind of the psychology of it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about the numbers and we joke about getting out the TI-86 and the spreadsheets and that kind of stuff or the BEA, too. Yeah. Really, I, I think, again, psychology or I don't want to say emotions play into it, too. Gosh, a kid going to school on mom and dad's dime. You know, we talked earlier about not wanting to finance four years of drinking daiquiris and toga parties, right? Oh, we said we weren't going to do that again. again. I know how I would have been. I mean, my personal story when it comes to college is I had it paid for. Uh, It wasn't mom or dad, right? My my parents always told me, hey, if you want college, we're not going to be able to help you out. So get scholarships. You are wicked smart. I got scholarships. Okay. And what's funny about that, uh, because we, you know, I also pursued, you know, being a rock star first. That didn't work out real well. Uh, So I went to college for a whole semester on scholarship and I don't know, it didn't mean a whole heck of a lot to me. So after a semester, I dropped and I pursued other things, but I eventually came back and I can tell you that when I was writing the checks and paying for myself, it meant a Mm -hmm. whole heck of a lot more. When I was sitting in those classes, honestly, I can remember, you know, sitting in those classes where class was supposed to go till 1030 and the professor said, okay, 10 o'clock, that's good enough for today. You guys can go. And I said, hang on a second, man. I paid till 1030. Yeah. You know, and, and everybody else was happy to leave. Well, when I'm writing the checks, it was a different story. I took a lot more uh, interest in college. I took a lot more uh, responsibility. It meant so much more to me knowing I had some skin in the game. In my case, it was all the skin in the game. Um, but yeah, that means something. That really changes, I think, from the college student's perspective. Uh, how they approach their studies. Yeah, man, there is a lot of value into having skin in the game, as you said. The 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 person going to school should be treating it like a job. And like you said, the same is true for me. I went back to school sporadically throughout the 15 years after high school <laughs> and finally did get my bachelor's degree. But Yes, you uh, did. Congratulations, uh, by the way. Thank you. That was a lot of work. And I went through the same exact things that you're talking about. Like I used tuition reimbursement programs from employers. I, I paid for a lot of it out of pocket. And I can tell you that the classes that were a waste of my time that I, were, I was thinking, these are not making me any better, any more productive, mm-hmm. any more smarter. <laughs> 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 Those classes I got upset with. 
uh, for going short, for the the professor phoning it in. I was like, hey, man, I'm supposed to be learning. Yeah, and you're you not felt ripped me. off, right? Yeah. So I think that changes the perspective quite a bit. A lot of it probably has to do with being even older and knowing, at least for the this last the last two times I went back to school to finish <laughs> when I knew what I was going for. I was like, hey, I want to get the certified financial planner certificate. So that means I need a bachelor's degree. I might as well get the bachelor's degree in finance. Thankfully, I found a program that did it. Even then, I was trying to apply these classes and some professors were great. Usually the professors that had real world experience. I had a professor yeah. that was a practicing CFP. He was great. I mean, there were some things that he had to teach me that he's like, you're never going to use this. And I was like, yeah, we have knowing glances at each other mm -hmm. because I was in the industry already. I had another professor that was great at estate taxes. And I was like, this is awesome. I can use this for my super, super rich clients. But <laughs> there were other classes. I was like, this is a huge waste of my time. And uh, I was putting in the work. I was interested in those classes that I knew were going to make me better at my job. And I'm not saying that's every college student. Every eight, There are plenty of 18-year-olds that are getting after it. And sure. I'm not saying people should wait to go to school. I just, they need to know kind of what they want to do and they need to take it seriously. And I think having skin in the game, like you said, really helps to ensure that the student going to school is going to take it a little more seriously. You know, you hit on uh, some really good points that I want to jump into a little bit. Point one, you talked about going back sporadically and using tuition reimbursement through your job. So many employers out there will offer tuition reimbursement which is a fantastic way to pay for college. Fantastic. But Caleb, it takes so long. Okay. Pause on that one for a second, because I want to touch on some, something else. You are right. There are some 18-year-olds who really get after it, right? So we have an, in, uh, an intern here. Yeah. Uh, he's not 18 anymore, but there's he's someone 21, who kind of... He's 21, in fact. He's he can 21. listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, and I, I got to say, he is more motivated than your average 21-year-old. He's getting after it. When I talk to him when he's here and I say, so what do you, what do you want to do, Jacob? What do you want, you know, and, and he's got it all mapped out. But it's funny because I say, um, you know, you, you've, you've done this exactly zero, yet you know for sure you want to do this, right? So why not? You know, if you have an idea of the field that you want to get into, but you're just not totally sure, you know, we started out in, in the banking industry. My degree is yeah. in banking and finance. It's really funny. I, I did feel kind of I got my degree in banking and finance, then I went to uh, to work at a bank, and I did it for a year because I told myself I'm going to do this for a year. And I was just so disappointed, and I went, man, I thought this was going to be something different. Really? This is it? That helped me kind of, um, luckily, it did open some doors for the career path that I eventually wanted to go down, which is this, being a financial advisor. I didn't know mm -hmm. that. Right. Um, but for crying out loud, you know, we're asking 18 to 21-year-olds to know exactly what they want to do and be willing to put $100,000 on the line. Oh, yeah. What if you show up the first day of work and you go, wait a minute, this isn't at all what I was looking for. That's why I think, you know, if you can find a job, you know, relatively in the uh, the business that you think you want to be in, get some tuition reimbursement, get some hands-on experience and find out if that's really what you want to do. Now, I know that there are driven kids out there who, you know, I want to be a heart surgeon, right? 100%, they're all in. That's what they're going to do. By all means, get after Man, it. Man, I went to high school with a guy that knew he wanted to be a dentist since he was like 15 years old. We were mm -hmm. playing basketball before mouth guards were cool. This guy was wearing a mouth guard and everybody's making fun of him. And he had per perfect pretty <laughs> teeth. 
He's a beautiful man uh, with great shining sparkly teeth. And he does have great teeth. I oh, think you I know, know what I'm talking, talking about. about. Okay, yeah, he might be your dentist. <laughs> He's a successful dentist with a successful dental practice. I yeah. wish I had that confidence that he had back then, but I fluctuated through so many different dreams. Yeah, and it took me a while to get where I was going. So it's you're right. It's important to be aware of that. Really, to sign up for that kind of debt for something that you've never done before. I, I mean, okay, so we talked about you know our intern. That's a great way to do it. Intern while you're in school, right? But try yeah. some of this stuff out. Make sure that it's what you want to do. It's a huge investment. But that's why I think the tuition reimbursement programs are great. A lot of employers offer that. It's beneficial for them to educate you. You're going to be more productive for them if you know what you're doing. You know, I always said this about the banking industry. It wasn't so much about what degree you had or what school you graduated from. If you got your foot in the door and you could show that you could do the work, they were willing to help you. It wasn't about that at all. I got hired in at a bank and moved my way up without any college degree. Exactly. And now that's not the same for every job, but... I, I want to address a little bit of a, the stigma of having to get your degree like ASAP, like you do that before working too. I know mm-hmm. obviously I've got a bias because I, that's the way that I did it is I worked and I took a long time and I decided what I wanted to do before I actually finished. I took out zero loans for my education. I have zero debt. When I graduated, I was debt free. My wife, who I love, did not. She's the first one in her family to go to college and her immediate mm-hmm. family. She did not know what she was doing when she signed up for student loans. She went to a small private liberal arts school. She was yep. going to be a teacher. And when she got to her fourth year, she was like, oh, my gosh, I don't think I want to be a teacher. I don't think I, I don't think I can operate this way. I had a totally different idea of what it would look like. And she switched majors and she had to go an extra semester. And she ended up with six figures of student loan debts and was the manager of a coffee shop. Very successful, great at her job. But, oh, yeah. But I believe Barista of the Year indeed. for a pretty well-known company. Absolutely, right? for the entire company. And she's a local celebrity forever. <laughs> it's true. It's a large trophy that she But won. how much did the, did the student loans and the college education play into that? I don't think they played in very much at all. <laughs> now, there's, there's a case to be made for the general education that you get at college, the well-roundedness mm-hmm. that you can achieve. But I tell you what, I'll pound my fist on the table. It is not worth going into debt for that. There is no way that I would do that. And there's a stigma on getting your degree uh, in four years. And there's a lot of folks now that have a uh, an entitlement to once you do that, you get a job. And, and that, because they've been told that their whole lives, yeah. go get a job, uh, go go to college and you'll get a job and then you'll be successful. Well, there's a whole bunch of people that are disillusioned with that. Yeah. You know, I I got to be careful about what I say here. And we've had some daiquiris. Uh, <laughs> no cussing, Caleb. I don't want to offend anybody. Cussing. We are the generation, though, that we were. It was pounded into our head. You won't amount to anything unless you have a college degree. I can remember. I can remember Back in my a teacher. <laughs> I can remember a teacher saying to one of the kids in our class who was know, he was goofing around or something, and I think he said something to the effect of, "Yeah, we'll have fun driving a garbage truck," and. It's funny. I look back and I go, hey, man, I look at our garbage, uh, the guy that drives our garbage truck. He's got a pretty good paying job and uh, he seems to be enjoying life, actually. <laughs> but isn't that funny? They, they made it sound like you're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to do anything unless you go to college. Oh, oh, by the way, it's going to cost you $100,000. But, you know, <laughs> you know, we'll loan you the money and we wouldn't loan you anything that you couldn't pay back. Right. Trust us. Yeah, right. Uh, what a thing. load of crap. Student loans are easy to get. Um, 
And I'm not saying a college education isn't worth the money you pay for it. Not at all. I'm I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's not worth sacrificing your, like, giving every dollar you're going to earn for the next seven years away, uh, almost. Right. Like, there are people that are graduating with student loan payments that are bigger than mortgage payments, like, significantly bigger. Significantly, yes. And, And, yeah, that might be, so you're a doctor now. Good. You can make your payments. Could you have gone about it a different way? Maybe not. Like doctors, they have a hard time going through school. So this is, that's a, a hard, that, I don't know. The army will pay for it. There are a lot of <laughs> hospitals that'll pay for your, your education too. So there's ways around it. I know it's not the easy way. The education itself may be worth the dollars that you put into it. Uh, maybe not though. You might be overpaying. Uh, how well, often, speaking of doctors, Caleb, oh, do you know where your doctor graduated from college? I, I have no idea. I understand what you're saying. There, there are some fields where there's, there's really nothing uh, that you can do about it. You got to go to school. You got to get the. And we are not trashing education. I'm just very untrusting of uh, the higher education uh, industry because that's exactly what it is. It's an industry. I'm all for education. I feel like I'm always learning. I, I tell myself all the time, you're not doing your job if you're not learning something every day. I tell my clients every time they meet with me, if you're not learning something, I'm not doing my job. I am all about learning. You know I am. Yeah, and your biggest um, wealth building tool is your income. So make yourself smarter and you could have yeah. a bigger income, right? It's interesting that you bring up doctors. I actually have a real life example. A great guy came in and this is when I was working at the bank as an advisor and he was somewhat newly married I don't want to say fresh out of medical school. I think I think he'd he'd been a doctor for a year or two, uh, but newly married. You know, bought a nice big house. But aside from that, no debt, no car debt, anything like that. And he was kind of looking at well, what are the next steps? His situation in particular. Um, his wife had a set of twins from her previous husband, who was also a doctor, who unfortunately had passed untimely. And uh, I think this this doctor was you know he was friends with this gentleman or knew him well enough that he said, Caleb, here's the deal. I'm making good money. We owe on our house. But aside from that, we don't have any debt. I'm putting money away for retirement. My wife's previous husband had a dream for these kids, this set of twins, right? To go to his alma mater, which was Notre Dame, right? And I, I want to I want to do him the honor and and pay for his kid's school. They deserve that. I feel yeah. like I owe it to that man. Yeah, awesome. And I said, that's, that's a very noble thing. He said, now here's the other thing. We just had our own set of twins. <laughs> this is crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, and he says, I'm I'm a U of M, uh, a Michigan grad. Hail and- to the victors. <laughs> Not on this podcast. <laughs> Great school, I think. I don't um, know about that. <laughs> well, he wanted uh, University of Michigan for his kids. He said, so those are my goals. I know we're going to be able to retire we're okay with, you know, our, our level of debt. We don't want to, you know, we got a 10, they had a 10 year mortgage, I think. So I, I applauded them on that. Great job. You know, so I, I got into my financial planning software. He said, what do I need to save every month to, to send, you know, the first set of twins to Notre Dame and the second set of twins to U of M. I want it paid for, you know, I put it into the financial planning software. We looked at tuition inflation, which by the way, is crazy. We talk about infra- uh, inflation, not being a problem. Um, in education, I want to say it's something like 8%. I think it's more. I think that's health. I think health is eight. I think no, I thought, I thought is health was five. It, it's five it's or eight. It's a lot more than regular <laughs> inflation. <laughs> so we crunched the numbers. We looked at his income. We looked at his retirement contributions and all that kind of stuff. And he said, so what do I need to, what, what do I need to uh, put away in like 529s and things like that to, to get us there? And I said, well, you, you know, when I, 
I did the calculations. I went through the financial planning software. You need scholarships, my friend, because <laughs> you as a doctor making good money. And, you know, we know not all doctors are great with their money. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get used to making good money. You spend like you make good money. This guy was not that case. Good income, pretty responsible from a financial standpoint. And I, I point blank told him, you can't afford this. There's nothing left over. Yeah, This is all of your disposable income. That's crazy. Yeah, it's expensive, man. And I think I think uh, there are there are good ways to help your kids pay for school. If you've got a windfall or you're a grandparent and you want to help out, by all means, use a 529 if you know that you want to use it for school. I and mean, there's a lot of gotchas in those, but you can use those. You can use the educational savings account, Coverdell, they used to be called. You're not uh, going to make a whole lot. But. No, I... It, you can. I mean, you I, can I think that's investment. the appeal, though, behind a 529, right? College is so expensive. Whatever you're putting away, I would say 529 all the way. It's oh, yeah. The they, only thing that's going to give you any any option to grow. You know, you want market type growth. You want eight to 12 percent a year uh, return if you if you have a chance. You can get that uh, in the cover, though. You just you just have a lot lower limits of putting the money in there. That's the thing. What like, is you it? Can barely, yeah. You can put two thousand dollars. I think. But so. OK. Yeah. It's just eight to twelve percent on two thousand dollars. It's not <laughs> every getting you very year, far. Caleb, and compounding. Yeah. Get the BA two out. It's it's not a lot. I think it's great to help your kids. Um, Absolutely, but I don't want to break yourself for it. I don't think that you should. You definitely shouldn't sacrifice your retirement savings, especially with the power of compound interest overall. And then, if you're listening to this and you're contemplating how to pay for college, I would tell you this, and I've told this to kids point blank: do not take out a student loan ever. And they look at me like a cow looks at an oncoming train. (laughs) How else are you going to do it? Uh, It's impossible. I'm like, it doesn't have to take you four years. If it takes you six years and you graduate with zero debt, if you had to work a full-time job and you got C's instead of A's, that's better. Yeah. And maybe some job experience to go along with it. That's valuable. Yeah, man. There's a lot of different ways to do this. Make it your job to get scholarships. If your kid is is graduating from high school soon and you're worried about paying for college, make it their summer job. Pay them to apply for scholarships. It will be cheaper for you. There are all sorts of weird scholarships out there. I know that they you want them to have the college experience, but I think that is overrated. If those are the best years of your life, that's a sad rest of your life. Yeah. So I, I just don't buy into the mythos of college. You know, Jason, and I feel like a lot of folks probably hear this and say, well, okay, what you're telling me is maybe I can't afford to pay for my kid's school. Even if you can, it might not be a smart thing to do, right? Right. You know how I feel about my dad. I think a lot of people feel this way. My, my dad's kind of, well, you know how it is when you're a little kid. Your dad is a superhero. Hopefully, He's the yeah. smartest man in the world, Right. Then you get a little older, you get into high school, and all of a sudden, you know more than he does. And you go, Dad's stupid. He doesn't know anything, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you get to be our age, and you go, no, Dad is pretty dang smart. He's a superhero (laughs) after all. But I remember my dad telling me, you know, when I was in high school, of course, I grew up thinking I was poor. We weren't. We weren't rich. But anyway, you know, he basically, they they told us, if you guys want to go to school, you need to get scholarships because we're not going to be able to help you. Well, as I've gotten older and I know a little bit more about the family's finances and things like that, mom and dad could have paid for college. But I think what dad was getting at was it's not going to mean anything to you unless you worked for it. Whether it's scholarships uh, or whether it's me just throwing money at it, it's not going to mean as much to you if you've got, you know, we talked about skin in the game. But if if you're not bringing anything to the table, it's not worth anything. And I think that that's super wise. Uh, Again, 
you know me. Dad's the smartest guy in the world. Uh, he always has been, always will be. There's a reason for that. He's he's lived uh, a few years. He's done a few things. Yes, man. I mean, he's he's <laughs> smart. He knows about return on investment. He knows about yeah, he does. Uh, actually needing it. Uh, the entitlement versus the actually earning it portion is but really But I think big. it's good advice, even if you can help. You know, the kids got to be, they got to be in it with you. Otherwise, you're throwing your money away. Um, I, I think in summary, you can probably get the vibe of, of uh, overall how we feel about this. We are not downplaying college education by any means, not downplaying education in general, but how you go about it, you know, don't, it's like anything else. Hey, I like nice cars too, right? Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about a nice car, but I'm not going to saddle myself in debt for it, right? Right. I'm going to go out there. If I want a Maserati, I'm going to work really hard. I, I can't afford a Maserati, but you get the gist, you're gonna right? Get if the you best want it bad one. enough. Yeah, you're going to yeah. you're gonna the best one that you can afford. And if that means instead of the private school out of state, you'd go with the the state school or you go with the community college first and then transfer, that's okay. Do Live within your means. Absolutely. Well, that's how we feel. <laughs> I think we've, uh, I think we've talked enough about that. It's, uh, isn't it time for? Questions straight up. Wait, this is the Daiquiri episode. Should this be yes. called the Daiquiri? Get like, <laughs> like query. Oh, we might need to change that. Like that da- query. It's the yeah. query. We're querying. Nope. Yeah. No. No. no I don't think Questions. so. Questions. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, this week's question comes from Gary. Gary says this. Okay, so this goes into the college uh, conversation. Um, recently, my advisor told me that I should use Universal Life to save for my grandkids' college. Is this legit? Jason, release the Kraken! (laughs) (laughs) No! Get a new financial advisor. That's ridiculous. No! No. Literally, anything except that. should be a red flag. (laughs) You know, when you you sell insurance, uh, it's the old adage that when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and that's all you got. So, I, I get it. I mean, I don't get it. That's horrible malpractice. Don't no, don't do universal life insurance. I'm hang on. This could work if you were like really, really wealthy. But yeah, you know, I, I Gary didn't send his financial statement, but I'm I'm assuming he's a regular Joe like you and me. Um, yeah, I I agree. Probably not great advice overall. There are uh, accounts that are invented for this purpose solely. Uh, life insurance, by definition is a transfer of risk in case something would happen to you. It's also a way to defer taxes for the ultra wealthy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. No, I would not do life insurance to save. I just do a 529. How much money do you need for your kid's college? Unless it's not really for your kid's college. Oh, this is grandkids college. That's awesome. What a, that's a, that's that's a great grandpa, man. Life insurance. There are better ways to do this. Remember folks, there are investment options available in life insurance, life insurance programs. However, there's always the wrapper, the cost of life insurance that goes along with it. Yeah. Um, If you take it outside of that wrapper, there's more effective ways to do it and tax, uh, more tax appropriate ways to do it as well. I think. Um, Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a fan of that, Jason. No, I, I think the answer is no. Just simply, just no. I mean, there might be circumstances. Uh, your situation is fact dependent. <laughs> Please consult with a tax planner and a financial advisor. Uh, but yeah. I, no, I'm, I'd look somewhere else. 
I think we just agreed on that one, didn't we? Yeah, it's because of our bond. Well, Jason, this is the part of the show when we invite our listeners to speak easy about whatever's on their mind. See what we did there? <laughs> you clever We're very dog. clever, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a great place to share a recipe or a story or any thoughts, questions, or emotional outbursts. Ah! Jason, did anything come into the speak easy this week? Yes, something did. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> this week's speak easy comes from Sean. Sean shared a wild recipe called a crazy monkey, and he he writes this. You remember crazy monkeys? LOL. (laughs) And that's it. Uh, Is he talking to one of us? I think he must be talking to you. I don't know, Sean. Do you know, Sean? (laughs) You remember crazy monkeys? LOL. Well, there's a lot of people named Sean. Read the recipe. That might tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Two shots each. Triple sec. Kahlua. Captain Morgan, 99 bananas, which I had to look up. That is a banana schnapps. That's 99 proof, I think. Pina colada mix and a banana. Mix in a blender with ice and you're good to go. In a row? (laughs) That's a lot of alcohol. I think you're just making a big, like two shots each of those for, no, that's a lot of alcohol. How many people does that feed? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that might be my cousin, Sean. Sean, thank you. Um, I vaguely remember it. I think that's the best you could do would be vaguely remembering that brand, that drink. That's that's a uh, woo. It sure sounds crazy. I mean, that's there's fun. a lot to that. That's a fun <laughs> <Cool>. one. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll we'll have to try that. Um, maybe not for a podcast, uh, but that that could be interesting. Maybe maybe in the several hundreds of episodes, we'll come back with the crazy monkey <laughs> yeah. if we make it that far. Well, folks, thanks for having a drink with us this week. It's time to close out the tab. If you want your story featured on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We would love to hear from you. Don't forget to write us a review on iTunes and share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.